Hi, my name is Stephanie Pichet, and I'm the editor and publisher of RCR News Media and the host today for In the Room With, and we're talking to America Young, who is an actor, a stunt person, a director, a producer, a writer, a black belt. Uh, did I miss anything? <laughs> no, I think you even added an extra one. It's great. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> multi, multi hyphenate. Welcome. Very busy. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks you. for joining us. Um, Welcome to my room that you're in. First of all, thank you. And America, if you don't know, she's from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I am so excited to talk to her from Albuquerque, New Mexico. But now she's in LA. So I'm back in LA. Yeah. Back and forth. So, America, tell us a little bit about how you started in this path of storytelling. Well, I feel like I, I mean, those of us who are storytellers, right, Stephanie, we're always storytellers from, from, the, from right when we're born. Um, I grew up without television, so I read a lot of books, and so I lived a lot in my head, and lot stories were very important for entertainment. <laughs> um, but I, so I've always, I've always felt the need to tell stories, and I, I had this realization a year or two ago that I'm horrible with names. I'm actually pretty bad with faces but I remember people's stories. So if somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey, it's so good to see you. Chances are I, I won't recognize people. I don't know why I don't, I have a block. But the minute they start saying, my grandma got better and I need to tell you after this, this thing with the boat and the whatever, I'll go, oh my gosh, hi, we met at the thing with the thing and you told me about this and this happened. Like I, that's how I remember people. That's how I remember life moments is all through story. So story has always been so important to me. And it was an interesting epiphany to have. So now I've learned that when I meet somebody that I am supposed to know, um, I'll start asking them what they've been up to and how they've been since last we talked. And then once they start to tell me what we talked about, because hopefully they remember. I've been hit in the head. I did stunts. I've been hit in the head a lot. <laughs> I, I blame that. Um, then the minute I know their story, then it just floods back and I can reckon, I can remember exactly where we were when they told me that story and how it made me feel and all of that. So I, I, it's interesting that it took me so long to have that epiphany about how important story is to me, but um, it's always what's driven me in every single choice, um, which is why uh, I've just loved being a part of any story I could. So it didn't really matter what position I was on set. Um, I didn't really have an ego about it. I just wanted to, if it was a good story, the script was good. If the if the passion was there, I just wanted to be a part of it, which is why she listed all those <laughs> Because there's some stories I serve best as a producer. And there's some stories I serve best as a stunt person and um, whatever serves the story. That's what drives me the most. Well, one story I thought was pretty interesting is that you literally, as a stunt person, did live action shows at Paramount. You were Laura Croft. I was. I was Laura Croft. That um, is amazing. I always I, wanted to do that. Whenever I go to those shows, I'm like, oh, I would, that'd be so much fun. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah, I got I got to do Laura Croft and um, wear the whole get up with the with the guns on the thighs nice. and the army boots and the um, the oh the braid the one right braid. right um, yeah. 
and it was it was actually it was a blast and that was my first time doing stunts and I had done I had my black belt at that point but I'd never actually done stunts so um the stunt coordinator Lee Whitaker had to you know give me a crash course and there were a crazy amount of stunts in that there was um a slide for life which is like a wire when you come in and right you know, pile down tons of fights firearms um an air ram where you step on a thing and it throws you a high right. fall like I had to learn all of that and um it was unbelievable it was an wow. unbelievable experience and it was well, so much fun to do that three times a day I've never been in better shape of my life <laughs> the closest I got was getting remember when those backpacks came out like mm -hmm. everybody had them I got one and you did oh, <laughs> that good. was the closest I got <laughs> uh, but I I love that character and and uh, it was so empowering to see a woman right just yeah so smart oh, yeah and that, and that was the thing, like, I, I didn't, I knew a little bit about her, my, you know, my brother's majorly into video games, and I had done a lot of motion capture for video games, but um, uh, seeing the little girls at the theme parks who would just look up at you and go, hi, you know, right. that was the best feeling. And their mothers wishing that yeah. they were you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> or at least having those skills to, you know. Maybe they have the skills to beat the crap out of a guy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I bet a lot of women have this. <laughs> wish I had that. Yeah. So, so speaking of motion cap, you also um, have done video games but like 65 video games or some crazy amount right i think that 65 titles yeah i think that i think that was my last count that i did um yeah that's been incredible that's been an incredible experience did you have any favorites um i had the most fun on the saints row games and i think it's because of the writing and the team Although the Insomniac games are also great, which which were like that Sunset Overdrive and the Spider-Man, because that team is also hilarious. Um, but each one has been so much fun. Each one has something great about it. There's been a few titles that didn't get released, but it's heartbreaking because those were incredible. Mm. Um, the thing about motion capture is, uh, and 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 this is what I love so much about it, and and that would think why there's so many actors who are gravitating towards it, is that it's all about the performance. You know, it's a very small, intimate. Uh, crew there there I've never met a, a jerk on a motion capture set and um and it's all about performance because you don't have to reset the lighting you have to set wardrobe you don't have to worry about your makeup you don't have to worry about your hair like it's just about doing the scene until it's the right performance of it and so there's there's a purity in that um that I think you know I'm constantly getting people reaching out to me about how to get into motion capture and I think they're gravitated towards that it's it's more like doing a play you know I think there's going to be a lot more of that especially with the changes in COVID and, you know, that have come, you know, what are, what is, uh, what are the types of productions that don't cost as much money, let's say for all of the COVID stuff, right. which I'm hearing is about 20% of a budget for yeah. a film. Yeah. 20% is what I've heard too. And motion capture, the brilliant thing about motion capture is you can have a, do a scene with someone 20 feet apart. And then the machine, they could just the computer, they just pick up your 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 ones and zeros and put them close to each other. And so you know, people can truly feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, which until you know everyone is vaccinated, uh, that's the most important thing is people being safe. Right. Not shutting the production down or any anything in life, right? You definitely, you know, not just outside of work. So let's talk a little bit about my childhood with Barbie. <laughs> and your childhood with Barbie and today's new Barbie, um, the Barbie view of the world with those amazing videos 
for uh, the Barbie blog. Talk about that project. I love this. One of the things I'm most proud of in my life. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because like Barbie has always been groundbreaking. Barbie has always been like, Barbie was the first adult doll that little girls could have before it was just, you could just have a baby doll because that's what they were grooming the girls for. And then Barbie came out and, and they were, you could have careers such as they were at that time, right? So you could be a secretary or a flight attendant or whatever, but still encourage the girls to think outside of just being married, right? right. And, and having a career if they want it. So Barbie has always been doing that, but because of that, Barbie has always had a big target on their back. Um, uh, and so, and there's been some missteps along the way, but they've been around for 60 years. So I think that, that's, <laughs> I think that that's expected and forgiven. But the thing about this new, this new Barbie that I'm so thrilled to have been part of. And it was a rebranding that was um, pretty much led by Julia Pister, who's amazing. And a bunch of other incredible people, Christopher Keenan and stuff at, at, at uh, Mattel is the, is just the idea of like um, uh, getting to know her better as a person and um, making her more of a relatable role model than this perfect flawless um, figure, which she has become. Right. Um, that has actually become a saying about people who are like flawless, like, oh my gosh, she's such a Barbie, right? right. <laughs> so, so, um, I, so, you know, I obviously can't speak for them and, and, and Mattel stands on all of this, but I, but from, for my part, what I love about her is that she talks about stuff. She kind of lets the wall down and she talks about what it feels like to be depressed. And she talks about what it's like to be mansplained. And she talks about um, what it, how, how to stand up for yourself and how to, even though you're young, the ways you can change the world for the better and not to be discouraged just because everyone treats you like a child. And like, there's, there's all these incredible vlogs interspersed with the really fun, silly ones, you know, um, that, that I think that I, that I think are truly groundbreaking. And the one that, one of the ones that I'm most proud of, um, is, uh, the one where she, she teaches kids, uh, she reminds girls not to apologize all the time mm -hmm. because that is a knee jerk habit that, that women have and girls have, right. um, is they say, sorry. And as she says in the blog or in the vlog, someone bumps into you and then you say, you're sorry. <laughs> Right. And, or, or somebody has done something wrong, but then you say you're sorry as you're pointing out the fact that maybe they have done something wrong. And so how to apologize, how, how to, how to own your space and how to switch that thought process. And it was so fascinating is I have made that my mission in life ever since you recorded that to, for me to say, I'm sorry, less, unless of course I've done something wrong, in which sure. <laughs> right. apologize. but if I haven't done something wrong, um, how to not make it a knee jerk phrase, but then also how to, how to rewind, re remind the people around me, you know, mm -hmm. so one of the things that anyone who's worked with me that I say constantly is no sorries, no sorries. You didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Your computer just blew up. That's not your fault, <laughs> right? No. <laughs> um, and so, uh, uh, but 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 that's the thing is 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 taking a beat when you would normally say sorry and not saying anything, mm -hmm. or saying thank you instead, which is my which is my favorite substitution. Mm -hmm. So, um, or excuse or excuse excuse you or excuse me or something just a substitution right so it's the, the the feeling in your body is instantly different mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? I, it, interestingly i saw someone um had on facebook had said you know stop using the word just mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. just wanted mm -hmm. to know mm -hmm. because that's like sorry and yeah. i looked at myself and wow i that i need to stop so that definitely changed for me 
yeah. you know, some of that communication because, you know, you're, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, you know, yeah. or I just wanted, it's a I same kind to of check thought. in, or does that make sense? Right, like, yeah, yeah. and you definitely sense. need to own that space. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating, and there was, there was like a TikTok or something I just watched where uh, a woman was um, changing her email so that it would read like her male colleague's email, and she deleted the just, and she deleted the does that make sense, and she deleted the I think that, and just wrote the data, you know what right, I mean? Right. And, and there were a few other things that she changed. And it, it was it was pretty impactful for me to see mm -hmm. that because it's it's like, oh, that's the stuff I do. Right. You know? Right. Um, so so uh yeah, it, it's it's it, it is interesting. It is interesting the 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 patterns that we've gotten into um and how to get out of them and how it's perceived too, because right. if you're already apologizing when you walk into the room, sorry I'm late. Right? right instead of thank you for waiting mm -hmm. right right instantly there's a different power dynamic mm -hmm. of respect a mutual respect in peers as opposed to I'm so sorry you know right. so so anyway <laughs> no 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 i and i think that's important for especially because of the impact that this channel has on youtube yeah. because you started out with i want to say a half a million subscribers and now they're 10 million plus subscribers oh, to yeah. that channel. Yeah. So the message is being heard by more, uh, hopefully not the moms, but the daughters or the sons or the but children. Hopefully the moms too, because moms them. are doing it. You know what right. I mean? No, I know. But yeah. I just think that it's so amazing that you have that subscriptions and viewership have grown and the messages that are being told are very empower empowering for for everyone yeah and and that's and that's what i love i i love that with what what mattel has done um the world has responded right. you know that sorry vlog went viral a hundred times over i mean we, we I, I on all the different platforms i think the last numbers were in terms of like between twitter and instagram and then all of the blog, blog posts and YouTube, I think just on YouTube alone, we're at several million, but I think on, you, on Twitter, I think it got it got watched something like 10 million times or 20 million times. So like the numbers were unbelievable. And the same thing with the um, with Nikki and Barbie talking about racism, mm. the numbers on that were astronomical. And that was another one that I was so unbelievably proud to be part of. And the research that was done and the way it was written responded to so many people. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, we, you and I can shout this stuff till we're blue in the face, but Barbie has this massive pink glittery megaphone, you know? And so, and so it's just so thrilling and satisfying to be involved in something that aligns with what I feel so strongly about and helps magnify that to, to what I hope is is incredible messages to kids. So I'm it's 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 one of the things I'm most proud of in my life. And I never would have thought that, you know, as a as a kid or as even as an adult or as a filmmaker when I first started, I never would have thought that one of the things I'm most proud of in my life is being is working on Barbie, but it is, you know, because you because it's just people dismiss it. People dismiss right. kids' entertainment and they dismiss mm -hmm. and they shouldn't because right. The, the foundation that's being laid in the in in the inspiration and you know I have a I have a three-year-old now and I see we don't let her watch a lot of television so we're, we're able to watch in a petri dish the little television mm -hmm. she watches how it affects her right and it's huge 
Oh no, it's I... massive. It's a yeah. massive effect, and so children's entertainment is so important. And and what Mel, what what Barbie is saying is so important. And so anyway, right. no, and I that's one of the reasons you know we met years ago in Los Angeles, and you know I've stood afar and stalked you because I think you're an incredibly young. Uh, um, I shouldn't say young, incredible because age doesn't matter, but. For being so young, you've accomplished a lot. Um, and in support of the community in telling stories that are important and impactful, like your um, project with Barbie, but you also do give back, which is amazing with the Chimera project, right? Yeah, yeah, the Chimera project, yeah. Talk about that a little bit, please. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you for bringing it up. So the Chimera project is a nonprofit that supports uh, filmmakers identifying as female. Um, and we do that in a lot of different ways. We have uh, panels and outreach and mentorship. We're about to launch this incredible program. Um, but then we also have um, the thing that we've been really excited about the last few years is finishing funds. And so um, as a filmmaker, <laughs> we both know sometimes you get to like you're 10 feet from the finishing line and you don't have another drop in you. Right. Right. Like you're, you, mm -hmm. you will lose your house and lose your car and not be able to feed your family. So so that's where we thought the finishing funds were so important, because as a rule, women are usually underfunded to begin with. Right. Um, and so the films that we were able to discover and support were just incredible and the filmmakers were just visionary and so that's the to get her finishing funds and hopefully we'll be launching that in a few months um, this year we're still trying to finalize exactly when we want to launch that and some of the other things we're mm -hmm. doing we're still locking in that calendar um, but but uh, and we also we've done workshops we did um, we try to look at the landscape and see what's missing mm -hmm. so um, we realized that or I had been told a lot of time I, I do I stunt and I do stunt coordinating and I had a lot of um, of my female director friends who was reaching out to me saying I have a stunt scene coming up and I have no idea I'm feeling really intimidated by it. And so I'd walk them through it. And I realized that there is this understanding that women can't do action. You know, mm -hmm. women can't do a lot of things, apparently. Right. I don't know. If, I don't know. Yeah. Do what are you apparently. doing out of the kitchen? <laughs> apparently, we don't do comedy. We don't do sci-fi. We don't do action. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Um, and so I'm glad we, you told me. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, if you didn't know, you didn't know. I didn't. Um, so we start looking at those comments. Women can't do blank. And then we would provide a workshop or a resource so that, so we did a, a workshop for um, for stunts. And so uh, it was female, you know, filmmakers identifying as female or non-binary non filmmakers could come and work with stunt coordinators. Mm. We had several stunt coordinators talk about their experience and tell them what to expect. And, and one of the things that like, for example, is that, um, there's there's kind of there's a lot of unwritten rules in the in the stunt world for safety purely for mm -hmm. safety right. and one of which is like if a director comes up and talks to you about something you have to defer directly to your stunt coordinator because the stunt coordinator needs everything needs to run through that for safety reasons but if you don't know that and you already feel like maybe as a woman you're not being listened to and you go mm -hmm. up and talk to a stunt performer and that stunt performer turns almost immediately it doesn't really speak much to you, but speaks directly to the coordinators if you're not there. That is not actually something to be disrespected by. That is to realize that that is purely for safety reasons. And there, there should not be communication necessarily. You're allowed to talk to the, the stunt player you want, but they're not really supposed to communicate with you, except if there's something very specific about their performance or something. Sure. 
purely for safety reasons. Because if you're asking them to tweak something, they need to respond that directly to the coordinator so that it doesn't trickle down and affect somebody else or, right? right. And, so, and so it's interesting because if you, again, you're used to walking in into an environment, unfortunately, and feeling like you're not heard and feeling like you are being dismissed and you experience that, that's just another blow. And so one of the things that I've told so many of my, uh, my filmmakers, my female filmmakers, is either go directly to the stunt coordinator or call the stunt coordinator over when you're talking to the stunt person. So that that way that communication is clear and mm-hmm. that you don't feel like you're being slighted because you're not. Right, right. And so many of them have called me afterwards and said, I'm so glad you told me that because that's exactly how I would have taken it. Right. And and there's no disrespect need intended. And, and, mm-hmm. the, and, the, and the stunt people are usually not being disrespectful. Right. But it can feel that way. Sure. And, and, and I heard a story recently about a, a huge, a huge uh, director um, who didn't know that that's what was happening and got so pissed at the stunt person <laughs> uh-huh. and they nearly lost a job. Oh, wow. And, and it's just because you don't, if you don't know that, you don't know it. And yes, it can feel. So anyway, we do, we do, um, we, we do workshops like that. So we, so they can be educated and have all the tools. And we've had so many reach out to us afterwards saying, I'm so glad. Right. The things you taught us. We've also said, this is what a stunt coordinator does. This is how they work with you. This is how you check their references. This is how you make sure that they're actually, because a lot of people are really good talkers. Uh, yeah. A lot of people <laughs> really talk up a good game, but it doesn't mean that they are the right person for the job. Right. And a lot of people talk themselves down for whatever reason, and they're actually better for the job. Mm-hmm. Have you found that? Have you found the people who, who, who don't sell themselves particularly well are usually the are, best? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they don't, they don't want to be boastful and they're, yeah. you know, they're proud of what they, you know, can bring, but they, and that's my son. I mean, yeah. I, I have to like talk him up and he's like, stop t- telling me. <laughs> right. But you are good at that, you know, so I think that that's another, you know, you know, being that publicist for yourself, being able to share, yeah, Yeah, people don't know, um, or aren't comfortable and don't know that it's okay. It's It's not only okay, it's, it's vital. And it's, that's a lesson I'm learning. You and I were talking about that earlier. That's a lesson I'm learning. It's vital for you to have to promote yourself. It's so uncomfortable. I really don't like it. I really don't get it all. I know. And, and that's the thing that you and I are talking about. Like if I have something coming out, I'll post about it once, right. but then no one will see it. No exactly. one, no one will see it. You know, right. you do have to post about it regularly, consistently, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and uh, one person I've worked with who taught me a lot about that was um, the producer, writer, star, protectress. Mm-hmm. Um, she was phenomenal about promoting it. And she did it in the coolest, non-boastful way and I learned a lot her name is Joanna Key and I learned a ton from her about that um mm-hmm. and I've ever since then I've tried to be better at it but it's so uncomfortable you know I, I know and that's why that's why a lot of uh celebrity or stars or or whatever they have publicists so yeah. their publicists will talk about them yeah. but not everyone can afford that so no no to, most people can't have to have the basics <laughs> right so I want to talk about your creations. Uh, one of them, your first feature, The Concessionaires Must Die, who was yeah. executive produced by Stanley. Uh, Look at that. Excelsior. Excelsior. Yeah, oh, he's he so. incredible. And, and fun fact, it's the only role he's ever had where he didn't play himself. Right. That's right, because he didn't write your comic book. 
Right, we didn't write the comic book, but also we gave him an actual character with a scene and everything. And he wasn't just a, he wasn't just background. And it was um, our cameo. Um, when we were shooting it, he said that. He's like, this is my first movie. Horrible Stanley impression. But wow. I said, Stan, you've done, you know, hundreds of movies. And he said, yeah, but this is the first time I didn't play myself. I had a character name and um, I had a role because he's a, he's a very important role in the movie uh-huh. and um so we thought about saying you know and in introducing Stanley in the credits but uh, <laughs> I felt like that would be too confusing without the backstory so we didn't right. he did a great job he did such an amazing job and it was such an honor to get to work with him and then for him to watch the movie back and you know agree right. to put his name on it was that was a huge moment oh yeah no for for us nerds us stan lee nerds yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah. wow you could write my comic book any day <laughs> me down with that so the yeah. the film's available now on itunes amazon and video um on demand platforms but you have an announcement about yes, yes. we we found we secured a foreign distribution that we're really really excited about i don't have a specific date yet um but as soon as we have the date i will be posting obnoxiously <laughs> i hope so <laughs> keep in mind obnoxiously for me means like three times um so so make sure to either follow myself or um which is america underscore young on what you know twitter and instagram or um or the the, the cmd platform which is cmd the movie um okay. or any one of the actors from the movie because they'll also be promoting it so david blue or john keating or um zaki or uh but but uh hopefully we'll have a, an answer a specific date soon but i'm really excited about it because we've been trying we've been working to look for the perfect partner uh, for distribution and I think we finally found them nice I know so, we found them the contract is signed yeah. it's happening okay. well it's, yeah. done. it's a done done now <laughs> <laughs> so um tell us about your I think you have a film going out on the film festival tour called back to Lila yes that's my second feature we shot it summer 2019 it's called back to Lila um it stars Gonzalo Martin who was in uh, life is strange 2 and won a BAFTA for it nice. um and he's incredible um and it's also just an amazing cast and it was such a fun experience and uh it's it's a it's a uh, surrealistic rom-com um, uh, so this, uh, it's about a guy who's, who's trying to win back the love of his life, but, um, he has a, he has something, I'm trying to decide what I can say about it without, there's a lot of magic. I'm just going to okay. say there's a lot of magic and I won't, Ooh. I won't say anything else about it. Um, I've been, I've been kind of calling it, um, uh, Wizard of Oz meets Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind without the music. Okay. So, um. <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's a really fun movie and we're excited about it. And, um, we're, we're going to be starting our, our festival circuit with it soon. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. So before we close, I'd like to just ask you as, um, an actor who, you know, or as a person in the film industry, who's learned a lot of lessons about different things from acting stunts, um, producing, what are some tips that you have for um, other actor, producer, writers um, that, you know, to give them some encouragement about some things that you learned so they don't have to learn it. They can so learn they something can else. Learn yeah, learn from the mistakes of others. You don't have time to learn them all yourself. Um, we live in an amazing time when you could pick up your iPhone and make a movie. 
even if you've never made a movie before, you can pick up your phone and you can make a movie in 4K. It'll probably be awful. Your first movie will probably be awful. Everybody's first movie was awful. They just don't admit it. Um, do it anyway. You know, um, you, you have the resources, you have friends, you have the stories in your head. Um, and if you don't have the stories in your head, your friends have the stories in their head. And by doing it, you learn. And that's the best way of doing it. Um, that's how I learned is just by doing it. And it's terrifying and it's agonizing when you look at the first thing you've made and it's so horrible, but do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I would say is if there's something that you want, um, figure out how to get it on your own. And, and just like feel the dream says, if you build it, they will come. And that's, that's what's happened with me is I just sat in my little corner building it, being horrible at promoting it, be better at promoting yourself than I was. But I sat in my little corner building my, building my field of dreams. And, um, before I knew it, people started wanting to come play. And, um, and also by doing that, I'm able to, when I'm on set, connect with pretty much every possession on set because I've done that position mm-hmm. and I've been, I can have a communication with them and I can talk to them and I can brainstorm. So I, I would say, um, do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is, uh, you never know what seeds are being, what seeds you've planted are growing, um, and don't wait for people to let you know that. So there, there have been, there's one specific situation in my, that I can think of is that a friend that I was emailing somebody who was a gatekeeper for something I really wanted. And I never heard back from them. I emailed them four or five times. Every single time I emailed them, I, I didn't expect a request. I didn't ask a response. I just said, hey, how are you doing? This is what's going on. I thought you would love to know. I think you're awesome. Here's why, have a good day four or five times, never heard back from them. To this day, I haven't heard back from them. But I heard from a mutual friend that they were the reason why I got the thing I wanted. Oh, nice. Because a lot of the people, especially the people who are in positions to help you were too busy to respond. They genuinely, genuinely are too busy to respond. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole and I get a hundred emails a day. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to respond to a lot of them. And I'm at the bottom. I can only imagine the people who are up here where right. you up. So as long as you are persistent and put positivity out there and are continuous and remind them that you exist, you have no idea what seeds are growing. And I've had people who have, that I have met with five years ago who have called me and said, hey, I don't even remember, we met five years ago, this thing came up that you're perfect for, are you interested? Right. So work hard, be early, um, do more than expected, be kind, and, and the, those seeds will grow right. and they will pay off. Very, very good advice. And especially the be early. So if your call time's at 5 a.m. and you're at, there at 5 a.m., you're late, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've said that more in the past year than uh, I have uh, the past 10 years because a lot of people don't know these unspoken rules that you talk yeah. about. Yeah, there's a lot of unspoken rules and that's that's one of the main ones um, mm. that people notice. Right. And so I, you know, I try to always be one of the first ones there. And if I and if I show up at set and there's already half the crew, damn it, gotta come in earlier next time, you know? Um, and some crews are, some crews come in late or come in right on time, which is, you know, but some crews, most crews you'll find 
um, especially when I'm directing and doing stunts. I always come in 30 minutes to an hour beforehand um, because you just never know what's going to happen. And it's just better to be there and, right. and people to show that you're dedicated and the people exactly. who come in on time or, or even late. Yeah. This isn't a nine to five job that you're working Monday through Friday. It's, you know, whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Yeah, which for is that exhausting. short time period, right? That you're shooting. Whatever short time period you're actually employed, give it all you got, you know, <laughs> because you spend most of your time not employed. Exactly. So, so exactly. yeah, always, always be there early and always and always be kind mm -hmm. because because you you don't know what other people are going through and you don't know the stresses they're handling and you don't know and it just always give people the benefit of the doubt. Stand up for yourself, right? And and definitely stand up for other people when you're seeing things because and that's that's the other thing and I, this is a whole other tangent but we are in a, this amazingly glorious time where consequences are happening mm -hmm. and the old ways of doing things in hollywood are shifting dramatically right. in terms of consequences in terms of behaviors are being held mm -hmm. accountable and i think that that's phenomenal because for right. too long some really horrible things oh, yeah. have been going on and it's been accepted as mm -hmm. that's the way it is. So, so we're at a time when you can stand up for other people and you won't lose your job. And right. so do that. I mean, we should have been doing it all along, but definitely do it now. Well, it, that, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it also ended your career for oh, some forever. People. Oh, forever. So horrible, yeah. you know, horrible consequences for you standing up and doing the right thing or not being taken advantage of. So, right. you know, absolutely important. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And if you don't have someone to, if you're too afraid, then find somebody that can help you yeah. laterally or, you know, give you advice, but yeah. And they're listening now. They're right. listening, whether it's because they care or whether it's because they're afraid of the lawsuit in the press that will happen if they don't do something about it, but they are right. listening. So HR is listening now and right. the suits are listening. And so, um, uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt, I think is really important, right. but also acknowledging when, when you need to stand up for other people. And, um, but that's important as well. That's more important as far as uh, I'm no, I agreed. So keep doing what you're doing and do more. We Thank love you. this. You are just <laughs> such an inspiration. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you. And, and just because I don't talk to you every other week or send you 50 emails a week, doesn't mean where you're, people are following you. We see that and we just love, just, uh, we need more of you. Thank you. Thank so, you for having me on. Sure. And uh, this is Stephanie Pichet with In The Room With. And oh yeah, she's a Roswell fan or yes, America. We'll be talking to America again in the future. I have a, a idea that she's got more big things coming. So I hope so again. And uh, till next time.